0: school year and there'll be some brochures out there give you some information about all the things that are happening within the church and we have one couple here from fall city where are you there you are okay remember fall i'm actually the pastor of the fall city church as well did you know that yeah i'm wearing two hats anyway we invited people from the fall city church to come and join us and we have a couple here today just to say hi so these are our brothers and sisters Each week, almost every week, one of our staff members is going over there to to preach on Sunday morning, and I'm usually there on Wednesday nights to be with everybody, while we're determining what God would have us do in the Fall City area. So I'll be praying for them, and say hi to them when the whole service is done. We are right now going to finish today a series that we have been calling, Five Songs That Can Change Your Life. The book of Psalms are not poems, they are songs. These are the songs that the children of Israel would sing. This was their songbook. And originally, everybody knew the tunes, and sometimes it even tells you what part for the choir or what instrument should be played. These are songs, just like we have our songs. We just finished singing a couple of songs. This was their songbook. God did this for a couple of reasons. One, because music is in our DNA. There's not a culture out there that doesn't have some sort of idea of music. Music is just kind of universal Plus, back then, well before the printing press, well before books, this was the best way to teach. How many of you still remember stupid little jingles from, say, 20 or 30 years ago that got in your head and they won't go away? And they come back at the most inopportune times, don't they? Uh-huh. I'd like to buy the world a Coke and keep. Now, if you were from the, my generation, you know that. You can even see it on television, okay? That was huge. It's there. I can't remember the names of people I met five minutes ago, but I can remember that stupid song. Now, if you could sing me your name, I'd probably remember it. Because that's how we get that's what God did. He 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 taught us all about who he was and what he wanted through songs. The children of Israel learned them, sang them, they were educated. I already told you that in the early church, you could not be ordained a pastor until you had memorized all 150 Psalms all 150 that's how important they are sometimes we treat these as kind of you know a little add-on to the book we really dig into the new testament and the psalms are just little things that we kind of put up on wall plaques or whatever when in fact this is god revealing who he is and what he wants in song here's what we've looked at so far a song of praise a song of wisdom a song of proclamation a song of trust a song of honesty one of the things i'm going to be teaching when I'm in Malawi, is all 150 psalms. I have four weeks to do it, and they will go through all 150 psalms. That's very important. So far, we've talked about how they can change your life, how your life can change if if you're full of praise, if you're praising our Father and praising the people around you, how your life can change if, if you're full of wisdom and what wisdom actually means. Proclamation, in other words, telling people about God, telling yourself, telling the people around you all about God. Last week, it was a song of trust because we all need to be reminded to trust God. Today we're going to end with this: a song of honesty. This is going to be hard. And I've been looking forward to this and not looking forward to it at the same time because what I have to show you and tell you is difficult. You see, we need to talk about a special type of song, and is what we call them. Imprecatory songs. We even have a special title for them. You've read them probably from time to time. You just didn't understand them and you kind of wonder why they're there. Do you know what it means imprecatory to imprecate? This is what it means. It means to invoke or call down evil or a curse upon someone. That's imprecatory. And are there psalms like that? Oh yeah. Lots of them in fact. Let me show you a mild one right here. Arise, O Lord, deliver me, O my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be upon your people. Isn't that something? When was the last time you prayed to have God break the teeth of someone you didn't like? Well, that's nothing. That's a a mild one. Let me show you another one. Speaking about an enemy. An enemy. Psalm 109. May his days be few. May another take his place of leadership. May his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. May his children be wandering beggars. There's a nice thought, huh? May they be driven from their ruined homes. May a creditor seize all he has. May strangers plunder the fruits of his labor. May no one extend kindness to him or take pity on his fatherless children. May his descendants be cut off, their names blotted out from the next generation. May the iniquity of his fathers be remembered before the Lord. May the sin of his mother never be blotted out. May their sins always remain before the Lord, that he may cut off the memory of them from the earth. How are you feeling? Pretty good? This is the Bible. This is a psalm. This is a song. I'm not making it up. Are you ready? I'm going to show you the mother of all imprecatory psalms. That's so why I, I was nervous about showing you all this stuff. Okay, It's great to talk about it, but this is the word of God. Trust me. Okay, Stay with me. We'll be fine by the time we're all done here. There's a reason for all of this. But you need to know these things this is the mother of all imprecatory songs let me explain it to you uh this was a song that was written by the children of israel after they had been taken by nebuchadnezzar into babylon he'd conquered jerusalem and he'd left a lot of people there but he'd also taken the best and the brightest back to babylon for captivity where they were held as slaves and while they were there they wrote this song all about that it's psalm 137 i'm going to read the whole thing for you by the rivers of babylon we sat and wept when we remembered zion i don't can't even imagine what kind of tune they would put to this, but there it is. There on the poplars we hung our harps, for there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. What are the songs? The same ones we've been talking about, the psalms. Those were the songs. Sing one of those for us. How can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its skill. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not remember you, if I do not consider Jerusalem my highest joy, remember, O Lord, what the Edomites did on the day Jerusalem fell. It's a whole other tribe. and As Jerusalem was being conquered, the Edomites, another tribe, looked on and went, yeah, tear it down, they cried, tear it down to its foundation. Here we go. O daughter of Babylon, doomed to destruction, happy. Is he? By the way, that's the same word as blessed in the uh, Beatitudes. Happy is he who repays you for what you've done to us. He who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks. Psalm 137. You didn't know that, did you? Some of you have never read that. Some of you have read and kind of glossed over it like it was a mistake. It's not a mistake. It's there in the word of God, Psalm 137. Does it surprise you that God would condone and even encourage that kind of prayer? He doesn't and he didn't, okay? And that's the thing you have to remember today. Please don't think that as they were writing this and chanting this that God was smiling and saying, yeah, that's good. I'm going to show you, as a matter of fact, the exact opposite. See, Jeremiah, once this song was written, Psalm 137 was written, God sent the prophet Jeremiah to those same people, and he wrote them a letter to straighten them out. This is what he said. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. First of all, let's stop right there. What did God just say? Was it the Babylonians who did this? Who did it? God said, I did it. It's not the Babylonians. They were doing my will. I sent you there knock it off build houses and settle down plant gardens and eat what they produce marry and have sons and daughters find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters increase in number there and do not decrease also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers you too will prosper what did Psalm 37 say? blessed is he who takes your little ones and breaks their heads God says knock it off Pray for them. Pray that I bless them, because if I bless them, I bless you too. And a little while later, just a couple verses later, he writes one of the most famous verses you've heard it many times. For I know the plans I have for you," declares the Lord. "Plans to help you and not to harm you. Plans to prosper you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. From a different translation, but there it ends. Am that interested? The people said, I hate the Babylonians so much, I want to kill their children. And God said, knock it off. You're there because I sent you there. You're there to learn. Actually, they're there because God warned them for hundreds of years that if they didn't straighten up, that's what he was going to do. They didn't straighten up, and that's what he did. And he said, but don't worry, it's not over yet. By the time we're all done, this is going to be good. The attitude of those imprecatory psalms is in direct contrast to the teachings of the Son of God. This is what Jesus said. You've heard it said that love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than the others? not even pagans do that be perfect therefore as your heavenly father is perfect what's the best way to be perfect love your enemies and pray for them don't hurt them okay so let's think for a moment because if you're a thinking person at all you're going okay I get this but then why why is that song there I mean why not just erase it Think of all the things that were written that weren't preserved. Remember, this was written 3,000 years ago. Or in this case, about 2,500 years ago. God had plenty of time just to wipe it out. Think of all the things that were written down that didn't get included. We know from the book of John, the gospel according to John, Jesus did a lot of things that never got included. There were a lot of songs that never got included. God specifically asked these to be preserved. Why would he do that when it is in such contrast To everything else that he's saying. What does he want? Are you ready? Now I'm going to try to put your mind at ease. Here we go. The inclusion of the Pregatory Psalms tells me this, and now we're into your sermon notes. Ready? He wants me to hear his entire message. Okay? We have a tendency to kind of pick and choose throughout the Bible. We read a verse here and we try to build our life on that particular verse people have been doing that from the very beginning when in fact the truth is god has a message it's from cover to cover that's why we try to teach you how to read the bible i will be teaching a class a little bit later on in this fall about how to read the bible what the bible is about and how to read it you have to know how to read it from cover to cover it's not just a collection of little bitty sayings that stand alone it's what god is saying from genesis all the way to the book of the revelation and everything in between It's his entire message. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Some people take that to mean that every little sentence can be taken out and lived out. And that's not true. You can't take the last verse of Psalm 137 and say, blessed is he who takes your little ones and bashes them against the rock and build a life on that. All scripture means, all, cover to cover. God has a message in here. He's saying something to us, and he's using human beings to get it across. Remember that imprecatory Psalm 109? May his days be few, and may another take his place of leadership. May his children be fatherless, and his, widow, his wife a widow, and on and on and on. There were a time a little while ago, as a matter of fact, a few years ago, that that was sweeping some of the churches as a prayer against our president. I don't know if you knew that. And see, it's in the Bible. So they said, see, we can pray this against the president of the United States. You're missing the message, guys. You're not reading everything. Cover to cover. That's what we try to teach here. I'm going to teach you how to do it in just a couple of months. Let's hear his entire message. Not just here and there. But there's another thing that the inclusion of the precatory psalms, the imprecatory psalms, tell me of God. Are you ready? Here it is. My father wants me to be honest with him. Let's face it. The imprecatory psalms, while wrong, are honest. Haven't you ever just wanted to punch somebody right in the nose? haven't you ever just wanted to hurt someone or or have them hurt, whether you want to do it, just don't you wish when you read about these people that, that something horrible would happen to them? Now, if you've never wished that, then you're a better man than I am, Gunga Den. Most of us have. Have you ever had the courage to tell Jesus, that's how you feel? Dear Jesus, today, I really want to punch this guy in the nose. See, sometimes we're not honest with God at all not at all we don't come to him with our honest feelings we come to him with that that religiosity there's a great word about pretending to be so holy oh dear god you know that at the moment i'm having a slight anger issue when in fact what you want to say i'm gonna punch this guy in the nose but we can't be honest with him we need to talk a little bit about uh, translating words from the greek okay we don't get too technical on you but The Bible was written in Greek and Aramaic, a little bit Hebrew, and they had to be translated into English. And for reasons that I don't really fully understand, sometimes we translate a word. We take the word's meaning and we bring that in. Sometimes we take that word, but we don't translate it. We kind of just make an English version of it. It's called transliterated, okay? We don't translate the word. We just kind of bring it into English. For instance, this word right here, the word Hippocrates, okay? Hippocrates is a Greek word. Now, from that word, what word do we get? It should be pretty easy. It is the word hypocrite. hypocrite. Okay, great, right, wonderful. But the word doesn't mean hypocrite. It actually has a... Trans- and we have a lot of hypocrites in this world. In fact, we love hypocritases. Some of the hypocrites in our world are the highest paid people in our culture. We stand in line to get their autographs. We put their pictures on the wall. We love hypocrites because hypocrite, if it's translated, is the word it means means actor jesus got so upset with the Hippocrates, with the actors he had some of his harshest words for the actors the people who pretended you know the one thing about actors they're not honest i mean they're not honest they they pretend all the time and the better they pretend the more we pay them Some of them are better than others. For instance, Nicolas Cage. I don't know if you know who he is. I love that guy, but he's a lousy actor. He's Nicolas Cage in every role he plays. I just happen to like Nicolas Cage. And then we got Johnny Depp. Incredible phony. What I mean is, he can be anybody you want him to be. Every one of his roles is so different. His voice is different. How he walks is different. This guy is an incredible actor. He is a wonderful guy at not being honest. He's a phony from the beginning to the end, and we pay him millions of dollars to do it because we love to see it. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with being a phony, with pretending, with being an actor. Except with Jesus. Don't do that. With our Father, we need to be honest. Write down dirty Gritty, honest. So, what the Bible says: the Lord is righteous in all His ways and loving towards all He has made. The Lord is near to all who call on Him, to all who call on Him. In truth, now, yeah. honesty. So, what Jesus told the woman at the well: had a long conversation, and he saw right through her. She she was a being a phony with him. She was putting on an act a little bit. And Jesus saw right through her. And he said this, A time is coming, and now has come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. The writers of the Psalms were wrong, but they were honest. Father, I want you to hurt these people. the bad things they've done. They were out of line, but they were honest. You see, when we talk about honesty, what we're saying is he works with where I admit I am. And here's the first place we have to be honest with God. It's when we just are honest with him to say, this is who I am, this is where I am. And he works with that. See, a lot of us can't get there. We're not ready to be honest with him. Our father can't work with what we don't give him. If you really want to change your life, then the first thing you've got to do is be completely honest with him about who you are and where you are. If you don't do that, then there's nothing else that we can really do at this point. You just have to learn to be honest. This is what the Bible says, "'Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, "'whose sins are covered. "'Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord "'does not count against him, "'and in whose spirit there is no deceit. "'When I kept silent, my bones wasted away "'through my groaning all day long. "'From day and night your hand was so heavy on me "'my strength was sapped as the heat of summer.'" Say, stop and think about that, okay? "'Then I acknowledged my sin to you "'and did not cover up my iniquity. "'I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord.'" and you forgave the guilt of my sin, Say, think about that. As long as we pretend before God there's no hope and there's no help because we're just acting. Boy, these imprecatory psalms say, be honest with what you're feeling. It doesn't mean that you're right about what you're going to feel. We'll talk about that in a moment. But that's where we start. Father, this is where I am. This is who I am. This is what I've done. No acting, no makeup, no pretending. This is me. See, our Father promises to work with that. It's it's the strangest thing. As long as you pretend that you're not a sinner, you remain a sinner. The moment you say, Father, I've sinned and please forgive me, boom, you're forgiven, and there it is. But the more you cover it up, the more you are that thing. As soon as you admit what you are, then suddenly it's all gone. It's amazing. But you have to start by being honest. God won't really help us until we're honest. You have an anger issue? You won't get any help until you admit it and you say, Father, you know, right now I just really want to hurt that person. I really do. Now, if you don't, then of course don't pray that. But if you do, then be honest doesn't mean that you get to do it, okay? It doesn't mean that God says, all right, since you've been honest, you get to hurt him, okay? It doesn't work like that. It's just that God can't do anything with you until you admit it. That's the beauty of the imprecatory Psalms. We see the gritty human emotion that almost all of us, I guess I'll, I'll make allowance for a few of you anyway, almost all of us share from time to time, and it's revealed in all of its ugliness right there. In contrast with the beauty of God and his forgiveness. you got to read them both together. But God says, I understand your anger. I understand who you are. I created you and I watched you fall. I know the lust that you feel. I know the anger that you feel. I know the envy. I know all of those things. I see them in there. Admit them. And we can do something about them. Another thing about being honest is not only does he work with where I am, he he works with where I want to be. Some of us can admit where we are, but you know what? We don't want to change yet. We kind of like it. Or we're not really ready to give it up. We need to be honest with him, not just about where we are, but what we really want him to do. This is what the Bible says. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and loving toward all he has made. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth he fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. I was doing study for this, of course, in lots of hours of going through scripture, and I was amazed at how many times Jesus said these words to people, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want? What do you want me to do? Time and time again, what do you want me to do? Sometimes he did it. There was a man, the two men who came to him uh, blind, and, and, and Jesus said, what do you want me to do? And he said, heal us. And he said, okay. Two of his disciples came to him and said, hey, we want, what do you want me to do for you? And they said, we want you to, to make one of us sit on your right and one on your left. We want to be the two best in the kingdom of heaven. Can you do that? And Jesus said, no. But he still asked. You see, this is so important. Jesus does not force me. He only invites me. What do you want him to do? What do you want? I mean, sometimes we can be honest about who we are, and we like it. Or even if we don't like it, we're not ready to do anything about it. But Jesus isn't going to force us. He's going to lay out a better way and say, do you want this or not? His gentlemanly character is is characterized in this particular verse in Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him. And he, did you notice he didn't say, I'll pound that door down. I'll break in and, and I'll just take over everything. He said, look, I'm here. What do you want me to do? Will you open the door? If you open the door, I'll be there. I'm going to knock, let you know I'm here, but I won't break it down. Many of us don't change because we don't want to yet. I mean, we don't. We're like Saint Augustine. Remember, I've told you about Saint Augustine. Great. Turned out to be a wonderful theologian and a great man of God. But before that, he was uh, he was a womanizer. He slept around all over the place. He knew it was wrong. He even prayed a prayer one time: "Lord, make me chaste, but not yet. Honest." Lord, I'm sleeping with so many women and I know one day I should stop this. I don't want to. God could do nothing with Augustine at that point. And then one day, Augustine said, I need to stop this, I need your help. And he became one of the greatest theologians the church has ever seen. A man who impacted the kingdom for thousands of years. But he was honest some of us have anger issues and uh, addictions and hurts and hangups and they get in the way but quite honestly we aren't really ready to give them up you know what tell the Lord that it's okay I can't tell you what he's going to do but, but let's not I do know this that God is going to deal with your honesty a whole lot better than your play acting or my play acting Father this is where I am and what I'm doing I'm not ready to give it up it's honesty So we end this series here. Because these songs can change your life. Every one that we talked about, the song of praise and proclamation and wisdom, and all the one we've discussed. But that doesn't mean they will. We have to end with this question. Do I want my life changed? I mean, really, do I want it? Or am I pretty happy with where I am? And if you're pretty happy with where you are, then you say, Father, I'm pretty happy with where I am. But if he wants some change in your life, he's going to keep knocking, okay? He's going to keep saying, well, there's some things. Hopefully at some point we'll get to that area where we can just say, I want to change. So here's the question for this morning as we close this whole series. Do I honestly want a change of heart? See, those people who were writing the imprecatory songs, they were so angry. I can't tell you that it would have been any different had I been in their situation. If I had been overrun by another country and taken as captives, removed from my home, probably from my family, and put in a completely different land and then forced to sing and entertain them, I may be just as angry. I may read Psalm 137 and go, Yeah! can't tell you that. I don't know. But what they needed was a change of heart. That's why God sent them that second little letter through Jeremiah. You're there because I sent you there. Don't hate the people. Pray for them. Change your whole heart. And you know the one thing that they didn't have that we have? They did not have the presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives like we can have today. Which, by the way, is the next series. When I come back from Malawi, after a Sunday or a share, we will start a series all about the Holy Spirit called Ghost Stories of the Holy Kind. Where we will be talking about the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. What He does, what He can do, what we allow Him to do. See, we have the Spirit. It's the Spirit of God that can come in and change if we wanted to. Because this is God's promise right here. I'll pour water over you and, and scrub you clean. I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll remove the stone of heart from your body and replace it with a heart that's God-willed, not self-willed. I'll put my spirit in you and make it possible for you to do what I tell you to do and to live by my commands. And that's not the New Testament, my friends. That's the Old Testament. Written, by the way, at the exact same time that those children of Israel were being ripped out of Jerusalem In writing Psalm 137, God sends a message through Jeremiah that, hey, no, it's not not you. I did it. And he sends a message through Ezekiel and says, guess what? I can change your heart. Your heart is so angry right now. I can change your heart. If you want it. So you need to be honest. We have to be honest with God. What do you want? Where are you? What do you want him to do? We're going to move into uh, a time of Selah. And Selah just means think about it. And this is the question What do you want? I mean, let's be honest with God. Let's not get all religious and, and say, Well, I know I should want these things, so therefore I do. No, that's an actor. What do you want? Can this morning, maybe for the first time in your life, can you really be honest with God and say, This is who I am? And this is what I want. We're going to read this together and then we're going to move into Selah. In our Selah time, we have uh, communion elements. If you're interested in communion, we sometimes receive communion all together as we did last Sunday. Sometimes, almost every Sunday we have the elements here if you want to come forward and receive them, that would be fine. Altars are open. If you just like to come in and pray here or sit right where you are, that's fine. It's going to take about mm, three minutes, a little over, as we listen to a great song about god changing our heart but the question what do you want can you can you sense jesus in this place right now he's looking at you and saying okay what do you want me to do for you what do you want it starts by saying jesus this is who i am really this is who i am this is what i am and then he says what do you want you say i'm a sinner And I don't know your forgiveness. What do you want me to do? I want you to forgive me. Okay. You're forgiven. Jesus, I'm so angry inside. I'm so hurt. What do you want? I don't know yet. Okay. When you figure it out, let me know. I need to give up the anger. Let me change your heart. So that you pray for him what do you want him to do and in preparation we're going to read one of the greatest songs of truth written by david now when we read it together if you don't mean it that's okay just read it and say you know father i'm not at this point but if you mean this then tell him that as well let's read it together have mercy on me O god according to your unfailing love Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Would those who are going to help me with communion come forward?